All right, so we're going to be brief in our message today. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. <laughs> That's intentional, so we still have sun while we uh, fellowship and break bread. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. If you have your Bible, iPad, iPhone, please turn there. Again. For the last two weeks, we've had um, guest speakers... Uh, come through the door, and uh, just through my evaluation of our time together, both with Lou, I wasn't here for Pastor Marlene, but I got to hear some great stories of her message and your time with her, and uh, it really sounds like the Lord is touching us in very significant ways, and anybody can attest to that. I know uh, just last week alone, with Lou being here, many eyes were watering. That's just, for me, um, you know, an easy... uh, you know, an easy scene that, that God is doing something in our hearts deeply. And I love when God moves in our hearts. But you know what I also love is when the move of God is sustained in our hearts. And so many times we encounter the Lord in very profound, dramatic ways. There's like this inspiration that comes upon us as we meet and as we gather. It changes us. But... How many know it's hard to maintain sometimes what God does in us uh, from uh, these times of when we have special guests or Bethany brings an awesome word and you just feel the touch of God upon your heart. But yet, two days later, a week later, you, you kind of scratch your head and say, Lord, where, where is that? Where is that thing you did into me that Sunday or that Saturday? Well, I hope to touch upon this because it's really my heart to see these things sustained in our life. And I think... That in Mark, we see Jesus gave us a good good outlook on how to sustain a simple gospel. I didn't come with any heavy reverie. I usually don't. Uh, sorry about that. I'm sure there's people in Massachusetts that come with heavy reverence. I, I just come with simple gospel because I'm a simpleton, and I probably couldn't understand many mysteries anyways. But I thank God that the Bible is very simple. And especially the teachings, the parable of Jesus, very, it's not complex. You, you can really wrap your mind around it. So, as everybody turn to Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 3. I'm just going to read a couple verses, and then I'm going to explain. Amen? Amen. Come on, it's all right. I won't spit on you. (laughs) Listen, this is Jesus saying, A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. I just want to stop there. Actually, in your mind, if you could... Take verses 3 through 9 and match them up, kind of like just put them right beside Mark chapter 4, 13 through 20. So you kind of, kind of do this in your mind. Okay, my, my Bible, I got Mark chapter 4, 3, verse nine, three, 3 through 9 here, and I got 13 through 20 in the same chapter. We want to kind of bring those up because Jesus has the parable and he gives the explanation. Praise God that there was some disciples who didn't really understand what he was talking about. And Jesus kindly gave him gave them a rebuke and said, if you can't understand this, how can you understand anything? You dummies. Yeah. But if we didn't have the prior knowledge of this, I would probably be that disciple and say, what in the Lord's name? What are you talking about, Jesus, please? But luckily, Jesus gives us the explanation as well as the parable. Let's go back to verse 3. I'm going to start again. So in your mind, remember... We're taking them parallel. Boom. Mark 4, 3 through 9 right here. And the parable, 
Mark 4, 13 through 20, the explanation to the parable. Easy, right? Listen, Jesus says, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to shoot over to verse 13, the same chapter, okay? I'm going to give explanation. I'm going to give parable. We're going somewhere, so please don't look at me like I have five heads. I only have one. Then Jesus said to them, if you can understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all, if you can't, sorry, understand the meaning of this parable, how then will you understand the other parables? The farmer plants the seed um, by taking God's word to others. Now, we'll just replace seed with God's word, okay? Let's get out of our mind. The seed is just a kind of analogy, right? We get that. It's God's word. Here we go. Here's the explanation to verse 4 of the same chapter. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. Only to have Satan, that's right, Jesus said Satan. You don't really hear Satan a lot in the modern day church, but Jesus used it. I love it. I don't love Satan, but I love that Jesus said, pretty much pointed out that you have an adversary. And he is seeking to steal the Word of God from your heart. I love that. You don't really necessarily hear that today. But I love that Jesus does it and puts it in there. Satan, come at once and take it away. Things that I want you to just paraphrase. I'm going to want you to underline. He comes quickly or he comes fast. He immediately responds to the work of God that begins in our heart. That's what I read here, right? And he comes to take away. That's important to remember as God touches our hearts. Listen, I don't like to be a gloom and doom type of guy, but listen, the adversary is real. He has a name. He's not a, a fictional character. He's not, a, a, you know, a, whatever that I was on Lord of the Rings. He's the real deal, and he isn't your friend. And he doesn't like when God moves in your heart. Got quiet in here. Amen. So he comes quickly, immediately, and he comes to take away, to snatch not the seed, although that was just part of the parable, but the word of God. You know, what we had for the last two weeks with Lou here and Pastor Marlene was just seed being scattered, the word of God just and you were inspired. But you better believe so, on the flip side of that is going to be the adversary. Amen. Let's go back to the parable. This is verse 5 of chapter 4. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. Ooh, that hurts. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Mm-hmm. Here we go. First, shoot over with me to 16 of the same chapter. Sorry, I know we're bouncing around, but it makes it a lot more interesting, I think, for my mind. <laughs> The seed, this is 16 of chapter 4, the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. It means they've, they've, they're, they're excited about it. This is good. This is a good word. It's getting inside. It doesn't work. It does its work in them for a short time. Here we go in 17. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted in believing God's word. Wow. How many can relate to that? Now, here I am, shepherding, 
Here I am pastoring, and I myself can relate to this with uh, just the quickness, the emotional roller coaster (laughs) that that we seem to get on where God does something so dramatic in our hearts, but then in uh, two days, a week if you're lucky, it kind of becomes old news and you're, you're constantly looking for the next fix. But the problem really is, is not looking for the next fix. The problem is, is getting, is tilling the ground. It's getting that hard rock out of the way and creating a, 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 a deep soil so that your roots can go down and find the water source. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, many of us are, we're kind of like, uh, uh, you know, junkies. We're just going from fix to fix because we're so in need of these experiences and these touches because of the pressure of life. Because of persecution, maybe for some of us, whatever your deal might be, discouragement, depression, we're constantly on aim, constantly going from conference to conference. I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I got just in the last month of conferences. I am, you know, I do them, I'm for them, I love them, but come on, people, are we, are we prostituting this a little bit, I think. And, and, but yet, at the end of all these conferences and at the end of all these kind of quick fixes, Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Is it creating in us a fertile ground for the Word of God to take root in us and that work be sustained regardless of what's thrown at us? That's what uh, Jesus is talking about here in this verse. He's saying pretty much that that, that garden, that ground was not uh, prepared uh, for, that, for the seed that was scattered. It, it shut up quick. I love that. love that analogy that that it shot up quick, but it didn't last. It died just as quick as it came because it was uh, essentially in shallow, shallow soil. Amen. You guys are all looking at me like I'm strange. It's the Word of God. Okay. <laughs> Seven of chapter four. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. So they produced no grain. So, there's verse 7. Let's kick over real quick to verse 18. The seed, the explanation. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear, who hear God's word, but all, too quickly, um, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure, I love that Jesus uses, the lure of wealth, because it brings it to our modern day struggle. You know, it brings it to... Real life today, the lure of wealth and the desire of other things, so no fruit can be produced. I, I love that it, 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 it brings it down to modern day struggles, struggles. Listen, I myself as a pastor struggle with the, uh, with the constant need for excess in my life, be it wealth, be it clothes, material, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and some of these things... They're not necessarily bad or shunned, but they're not always good. You know, I, I love that we put such an emphasis on poverty, but there's uh, that, 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 that it should be eradicated, that it's not necessarily good, but yet there's not a whole lot of goodness and excess either in wealth. It can be, it can be just as much of a trap for our hearts and our lives that can choke out uh, the work of God in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, a, a lot of us is just changing, a lot of this is just us changing our perspective, especially when it comes to the uh, entanglements uh, and the things that try to ensnare us, like the desire for wealth. I, listen, I, 
I'm glad that people have a desire to wealth. The kingdom of God needs wealth. It needs finances. But if we take it out of line where that becomes an idol, or that becomes first place, guys, we've lost it and we need to come back uh, to our roots. Amen? Amen. Okay. Still the other seed, this is verse 8, still the other seed fell on fertile soil. Somebody say fertile soil. Fertile soil. Amen. Fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as was planted. Mm -hmm. I love that. That it wasn't in addition to the seed that was planted. It's not like there was a harvest that was that was reaped according to the seed that was scattered, but it, it flourished, it grew, it multiplied because there was fertile ground. You know, there's two things that I hope to do today really quick, I hope to do, is uh, one, to get us evaluating ourselves, And our evaluation is just asking ourselves honestly and sincerely before the Lord. It's scripture, Romans 12, three, uh, 12, verse 3, Paul says, evaluate yourself in light of the grace of God. You know, this is a good thing to just kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say, self, am I fertile soil? And that's really what I want us to kind of grasp today and kind of wrestle with and evaluate in our own heart. Not necessarily here, but when we leave this place. Is the ground, is when, is the ground, you know, I say ground, our bodies were made of the ground. Well, I was made of the ground. I don't know if women were made of the rib. But uh, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, is the ground fertile soil? Is it something that when seed is cast, it can find a deep root system and it can flourish and it can produce fruit? The, the, the element of fruit is, is so good that Jesus brings it there because fruit you know, not necessarily apples and oranges, not what we're talking about, but the fruit of the Spirit, the things that glorify God, are essential for every believer's life. Why? And Jesus says in John 15 that it's actually the fruit that we bear that glorifies God. That it's a good thing to bear fruit. So why wouldn't we want to have fertile soil so God can be glorified? Amen? Amen. So two things, self-evaluation, what kind of fruit, what kind of soil am I? Am I fertile ground for the Lord? And two, the importance of maintaining the work of the Spirit of God in your heart and life. That's crucial. I see so many people, even myself at times, not so much now as um, probably a couple of years ago, but I see so many people getting ecstatic by the work of God in their heart you know, in a meeting, just like, ah, oh, God touched me, and they start dialoguing with me in the area, and what the Lord's speaking, it might be missions, it might be, you know, sharing more openly in their college campuses, it could be anything. And then two days later, we get into the same meeting, the same environment, and that person looks like they're going to jump off a bridge. That's not a good thing. I'm not saying they're going to. But depression has sinking. The message has changed. You know, we don't want to be. It, it brings no glory to God if we just are constantly Christians who spring up, spring up, spring up, spring, you know, spring up, die, spring up, die, spring up, die. No, God's desire, God's interest is that we would bear fruit so that He would be glorified. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let me just find myself in my notes. You know these words that Jesus speaks here. In Mark chapter 4, they're not to be handled uh, casually. These are, uh, these are things that will help us flourish. It will actually help the seeds that are planted in our heart, be it me, be it Bethany, to actually grow and do something and be something for the kingdom. Amen? Okay. 
Okay, let's uh, let's turn real quickly. I'm gonna try to travel with this. Uh, let's turn real quickly to John four ten. Hopefully, I can make sense of all this. This is the story of the woman, the well. We're familiar with it, right? Yeah. Right. You know, when we think of the whole uh, idea of how a plant grows, I have, you know, I have many. I, we just bought a house last year. We were lucky to, to be able to do that. And, you know, the last owner of our house was, was just a, a tremendous gardener. She just loved plant life and, and vegetables and all that, but particularly uh, just plant life, you know, nothing that really. Um, so there's these these huge, uh, mature plants in my uh my, my, my house, my yard. And um, there's, they, I mean, you, you have no doubt that these things are going to come back every year with tremendous strength and probably overrun. I mean, I have one bush. It's, it's because we're, we're, we weren't, we're not gardeners. We're not, you know, we're just learning. Although I'm finding tremendous, uh, tremendous peace and just relaxation and walking my yard and tending. I never thought I would. I'm, I'm out there, I look like Farmer Daryl, but I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning as I go. But anyways, these plants are, are phenomenal. They're resilient. I mean, uh, there's one plant that it's just gotten so out of control, i got to try to bring it back into control this year. But it is just enormous. It's this big yellow, it's, it's cool for a season, and then it dies, and it's ugly as all get out. But, um, you know, i got to deal with this. And, you know, likely is the story of the woman at the well. You know, Jesus talked to the woman as a place, uh, as he is a place of living water. You know, and when you have deeper roots, back to my garden, you know, those plants get out of control simply because those roots are deep, man. There's some years they have found good fertile soil and ground to just bonk right in and find the source of water that they need because, you know, me not an experienced gardener, not an avid gardener, I don't always water. There's times, you know, that, that heat is blazing and, and those plants are getting bombarded by the sun, but they are resilient, strong, and growing. Why? Because their roots go deep. And what was the one thing that Jesus confronted the woman at the well? First, there was this this issue of you know not what you worship, but he, he would bring it back to a source, as him being a source of water. A water that could be uh, drank of, and, 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 and you would never thirst again. Isn't that what he said? Hey, you can, you can drink at the well, uh, this well all day long, and you will come back thirsty again. But if you drink of the well that's before you now, you will never thirst again. So the issue, I think, more so of this young lady without getting too much into the scripture is a root system that ultimately wasn't really strong. It wasn't really grounded and deep into the things of God. Remember, there was God. She would talk about her and her forefathers going to the mountain of the Lord and worshiping God. But yet, there was something that was missing in her heart. And I believe that her root system didn't go deep. She didn't know what was before him. And Jesus himself even confronted the lady. You don't know what's before you because if you knew, you would ask me for a drink. I wouldn't ask you for a drink. And if you drink of me, woman, you will never thirst again. And there's this element that God wants to bring in our life, I believe, that, that he wants our deeps to go 
our deep, our, our roots, thank you, to go deep into a, a fertile ground that when hardship comes, when trials come, when persecution even comes, that we have a source to drink from when it doesn't seem like somebody's watering the garden. You know? When it seems like that, that internet pastor just missed it. You know, he wasn't enough for you. And, and our, you know, that conference was just like, man, I don't know why I went. You know, but see, th- those are quick fixes. Those are simply just a little water on the garden. The true source, the true sustaining power in life of the things that God does within us is a root system that goes deep and can draw from water when there seems to be no water, when there seems to be a drought. And I believe, honestly, that's what the Lord wants to do within us. There was this uh, situation where Jesus had confronted Peter, and he said, listen, Peter, I've prayed for you. You're you're like a weed of grass blowing in the wind from doctrine to doctrine. I kind of, from thing to thing. And I kind of liken that to this story. I kind of liken that to these quick fixes that us as Christians kind of... Just going, I've been, listen, I've been there. What do I mean by quick fixes? Just bring it back to the element of of just trying to get that new high and trying to, I'm really, I think I'm going to go to Kansas City. I think I'm going to go to Bethel. You know, and all, and I thank God that these things are here. But life is far much more than that, friend. You know, and it can help for a season, but it's not the overall need of your heart and soul. Your overall need for your heart and soul is for your roots to go deep, for you to tend to your soil so that your roots can go deep, so that when there's time for it, then when there's a need for a drink, you know what source to pull on. It's creating a history with God. Amen? Amen. I told you this was going to be brief, right? And you're probably saying, praise God, thank you. All right. Let's turn to John 15 real quick. I didn't really go to John 4. Sorry about that. I was, um, really the crust of my uh, message was just Mark chapter 4. <laughs> here we go. Let's just read a little bit here in regards to what I just said. Let's go 15, 5 through 6. Jesus says here, We're familiar again with the scripture. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say, nothing. Nothing. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away. Ouch, Jesus. Like useless branches. And withers, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. The reason our roots need to go deep in Christ is because apart from Christ we can do nothing. And unbeknownst to you, your life is more than just getting an education, working a nine to five, getting married, having five kids. God actually wants to do all that. It's good. It's good. Don't don't, don't pin me up. Uh, That's good. But that's not what life is all about. Your life uh, is about being used by God to display His glory in nature and the earth. You know, we have so many Christians just 
Living for today. Friend, there's much more than just living for today. And, and, and it's pressures and it's circumstances and it's obligations. We're living for a kingdom and as Christians we should be wrapped up in that kingdom wholeheartedly. So the reason uh, our roots need to go, de- uh, go deep is because apart from Christ we can do nothing. Let's do John 15.8. And this is the reason our roots need to go deep also. John 15.8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings my Father glory. Amen? So, essentially what happens when our roots go deep, we produce fruit. Okay? When our root system is rooted and grounded in fertile ground, it goes deep and we produce fruit, which bears or shows that we are Christ's true disciples and we glorify God. There's nothing really in the first three uh, examples that Jesus gives us in Mark chapter 4 that is really going to produce any fruit and ultimately going to do anything for the kingdom. The Father's desire is that your life would do something for the kingdom. The Father's desire is that you would be an element, uh, a fruitful person, that would glorify God. That was Jesus' life. Why was Jesus such an eyesore? Why was He so attractive? Because He produced much fruit. People were attracted to that. People wanted that. And friend, the same is true for us. And there's not going to be much that's done for the kingdom of God if we are, are trapped in the first three examples that Jesus gives us in Mark chapter 4. We will go from fix to fix, only worry about our, only worrying about ourselves and never doing anything for the kingdom. You say, well, this is, this is kind of a hard message. No, it's not, friend. It's, it's not. Don't you want to be used by God? Wouldn't you like just to, to just be that rock that Jesus talked about when Peter, when he said, Peter, you're like a, a, a reed of grass blowing in the wind. But I've prayed, I've, I've prayed for you, Peter. And you're going to become a rock. Listen, I want to become a rock. I don't want to be led but simply by my emotions, my ups and downs. I don't want my ups and downs to gauge what kind of fruit, when I'll be used by God, when I won't be used by God. I want to, in every season, high, low, in the middle, somewhere, glorify God. Bear fruit that brings glory to His name. So, the evaluation. What kind of soil are we? What Are we fertile ground? When somebody like Luke comes and he, and he just, you know, you get so... I, listen, I've, I've stood in that man's ministry for years now. Every time I hear him, I just want to sell everything and go to a foreign country. I want to, you know, just give up life and, and what is it all about and just you know, hide myself in some room and just pray the rest of my life. But, but, but it's... It, it's, it's, it, it's uh, not just a moment that God wants to lead us in. It's a lifestyle. It's yeah. a constant lifestyle. It's good to be inspiration, but if, inspired, but if we do nothing with that inspiration, folks, we are missing it. We are simply just hearing it. It's tickling us. It's giving us the goosebumps. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not glorifying God. It's not producing any fruit 
for the kingdom that draws attention to Christ. Amen? You're all looking at me like I'm strange. Okay, I like this smile there. So what does this mean? Well, this means simply that we want to be the third person of the three examples that Jesus gave us in Mark chapter 4. We want to make sure, is it four examples? I thought it was three. It's, well, it's three. Oh, it's three. The fourth one's a good one. So I'm, I'm calling the three the bad ones. The fourth is a good one. Sorry. We want to be the fourth example of what Jesus gave us in Mark chapter 4. We want to be those who bear fruit so that God can get the glory. That's why it is. You know, a lot of, we can get confused and say, oh, you just want to receive all the praises, and you just, you want a bigger ministry. No, I want God to be glorified in the city of Cambridge. I want to hear messages that, yes, stir my heart, but that I actually do something with. And that's what it's about. That's our hope. Listen, we can have anybody come through, but if that those people who are coming through aren't creating a, a movement in you to just not hear it once... And, and, and then just leave and go on with life and do nothing to change uh, your ways, to try to reach more people, to just try to love more people, to try to glorify God in situations. It's pointless. We might as well save our money and just get our little community here and just love Jesus. No, the object here is, the idea here is that we do something with what we hear. We do something with what we hear. You know, we've, we've had... Everywhere from missions spoken about in the last two weeks to, to, to prayer to compassion ministry. I want to say, what are we doing with what we're hearing? We should be producing fruit, friend, that's astronomical. That's astronomical in the sense of how it glorifies God. Amen? Amen. All right. I think we're going to convene there. You're all saying, what? Yes, we're going to convene there. Will, if I can get some emotional music. <laughs> gotcha, bro. It's good for that. <laughs> Listen, this has nothing to do with my message. Um, 